Hey guys, this is Josh Gunner, pastor of The Gathering Springfield. I want to say thank you for joining us in our podcast. I'm very excited about this season. We're going to be talking about the glorious return of Jesus Christ. So buckle up and get ready. Hey guys, so glad that you joined us again on our fourth episode of our podcast. Today's episode is going to be the beginning of our season. We're going to be diving into eschatology. Very excited about this topic. It's one of my favorite topics. I hope that you enjoy it. Before we get into the content of today, I wanted to start off by giving you my email because you may have questions Uh, or concerns, or thoughts, or interests in what we're discussing in our podcast. Uh, And if so, I would love for y'all to email me, and I would be happy to get connected and answer any questions you might have. My email is pastorjgunter at gmail.com. P-A-S-T-O-R-J-G-U-N-T-E-R at gmail.com. So if uh, you have anything that you'd like to share with me or if you want any information about our church or our gathering times, you can contact me at that email and I would love to connect and uh, share that information with you. Hopefully you've been able to go back and listen to our first three episodes as we talk about our church. Uh, One of my leaders, Josiah, was with me and we got to sit down and talk about the early days of the church and our vision, our core values, some of the things that make us who we are. We talked last week about our core values, and one of those core values is the message of the glorious return of Jesus Christ. This first season is going to be focused on that message. They're going to be focused on Christ's return, the events leading up to it, and what it's going to be like after his return. It's a topic that is very near to our heart, So I'm very excited about getting into it. Today's episode, we're going to answer the question, what is eschatology? That's a real simple answer. And then we're also going to go into why we should value eschatology, why it should be important to the believer, the message of Christ's return, what what it's going to be like in the last days. And then we're also going to cover the three major views in Christianity Because, you know, believe it or not, not everyone agrees. (laughs) Uh, It wouldn't be nice if we just all agreed. Uh, But the reality is there are a lot of topics that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on in the church. And uh, this is one of them. So I'm going to cover the three major uh, eschatology views. And then uh, I'm going to share with you what we at the gathering, what we believe and why we believe that. We're going to go through the New Testament And we're going to do an in-depth study of every passage of Scripture in the New Testament of Christ's return in the last days. What we like to do is we like to start with what Jesus said. So we're going to dive into the Gospels and we're going to see what Jesus had to say about his return and what he said the generation would be like at his return. And from there, we're going to go into what the Apostle said in the letters written by the Apostles. Paul and John and, and Peter, uh, they all uh, spoke about Christ's return and the generation of his return and what it's going to look like. And so we're going to dive into the, what the Apostles taught, and then we're going to end with the book of Revelation, an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. You know, for a lot of people, Revelation is a scary book. 
But the reality is, if you start with what Jesus said, and you start with what the apostles said, revelation makes perfect sense. Here's kind of an example I like to use. If you've ever put together a thousand-piece puzzle, where do you start? You always start on the edge, the, the framework, because it's more simple. They've got the straight lines. It's easier to, to put them together. That's the way I uh, envision what Christ said and what the apostles said in the letters about the last days and about uh, his return. They lay down a great framework and give pretty detailed information on what it's going to be like. If we start with Jesus and then we move on to the apostles, it's like putting together those puzzle pieces that are a little bit more simple. And then once we get into Revelation, some of the things that are sometimes harder to decipher through and discern and, and understand what is being communicated, it's a lot easier to put them in place where they need to be because we already know what Jesus and the apostles had to say. And so anyway, that, that's just kind of the way I like to explain it. I think it's a good picture. And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing in the following episodes in this season. First off, I want to answer the question, what is eschatology? You, you may have heard that term before. Eschatology is simply the study of last things. The Bible teaches that history as we know it will at some point come to an end. There are last things, last events that Christ will return or the beginning of eternity. And so eschatology is the study based around what the Bible says about the last days, the last events of human history. Some people don't view eschatology as a topic uh, that's worthy to be studied. Um, I, I don't particularly understand why. There are over 150 eschatology chapters in the Bible, and all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, for teaching and correction and reproof and training for righteousness so that we can be equipped, Right. It's not the only topic of the Bible that should be studied, but it is definitely a, a topic that should be studied. We should value eschatology. We should value Christ's return and his message. In reality, it is a part of the gospel. The gospel doesn't end at Christ's resurrection. The good news of Jesus, the, the, the gospel of Jesus is him coming to the earth, living a sinless life, dying and bearing our transgressions and our sins, and then resurrecting, ascending to the Father, and His return. And at His return, we get to see the fullness of the gospel. And so it, it, it's highly valuable. We should. It's, it's not a topic that we should ignore. It's not a topic that we should overlook. Uh, it's not one that we should be scared about studying. Some people uh, don't think that it's worthy to be studied because there's not agreement. I would like to suggest just because there's not 100% agreement on this topic uh, doesn't mean that we shouldn't study it and see what the scriptures say for ourselves. Jesus talked about these days, and one of the things that he said is he, he talks about the last days and, and the generation of his return, and he says that I tell you these things so that you may endure. He wants us to understand. He wants us to know. And so if Jesus found it worthy uh, to give us information on, we should too. One of the main reasons we should study this topic and, and see what God has to say about it is that he has something to say about it. And if God has something to say about a topic, I want to know what he has to say about it. I, I want to be on his page. So it, it, it's important to, to lean into Scripture and see what God is saying. And because it's in Scripture then it is worthy of our study. It is worthy of our time and our effort to discern what God is speaking to his people. 
If you're a church leader, I want to encourage you get into this topic for yourself. Don't just lean into what your denomination has always taught, or but dive in and see what the Bible says. We have a responsibility in presenting the message to people, to the world. Maybe you're not a church leader, but you're a, a, a believer. And as a believer, we all have responsibility in studying Scripture for ourselves. In studying eschatology, or what the Bible says about the last days, one of the reasons that Jesus gives is so that we may not be fearful. Because when we read about some of these events, it can seem overwhelming or, or scary. And Jesus says, I'm telling you this so that you may not be fearful. Another thing Paul says as he's writing to the church, he says that we should encourage one another with these words. And he's talking about the resurrection of the dead and, and Christ's return. So there are things that we should encourage one another on. But if we're ignorant of these things, then it'd be hard to encourage one another. The revelations that God has given us in his word about the last days are given so that we may not be fearful, that we wouldn't be offended at God's leadership. Another passage says, do not be deceived, brethren. This message is given to us that we may not be deceived, that we may not be overcome by compromise or confused about what's going on in our world so that we can know how to partner with God and what he's doing with the time that we've been given after Jesus spoke in Matthew 24 about the events leading up uh, to the last days, if you read on through Matthew 25, he talks about different groups of people. He says there are wise and foolish, and there are uh, faithful and wicked. He talks about a group of virgins. Some of them, five foolish, and five of them were wise. And the five wise virgins were the ones that were prepared for the bridegroom that had the oil. They were prepared. They were wise. And then the foolish, they were unprepared. And then he talks about a wicked servant and some and righteous faithful servants, the, the faithful servants and the wicked servant. The faithful servants took the money that their master gave them, invested it, used it wisely, and gave them a return. The wicked servant was unfaithful with what the master had given him and, and, and didn't do anything with it. And he ended up being called a wicked servant. Both of these are eschatology passages as he's talking about the return of the master or the bridegroom. And it's instruction for us to be wise, prepared for his return, and to be faithful with the time that we've been given. And I would also suggest that Jesus expressed that we should know the generation of his return. Now, I know that that goes against what we may have been taught in certain circles, not in every circle. Personally, growing up, I, I felt like, well, there's no way we could ever know. Um, but the reality is Jesus didn't teach that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, in fact, I, I'll just go ahead and read it for you since I have it here. Matthew chapter 24, he says in verse 32, after giving great detail of what it, the world's going to look like, he goes on to say, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Verse 33, uh, chapter 24 in Matthew. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. And he had just got through laying down what the generation of Christ's return, the events that was going to be taking place in it, what it was going to look like. And he says, now when you see all these things, know that I am near. He goes on to say that truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. When he says, truly I say to you, this generation, 
He's not talking about the audience right there in front of him. Obviously, the audience and the generation that Jesus was speaking to, all these events that he talked about in Matthew 24 didn't take place. He's talking about the generation that sees all these things because as he's speaking, these things are going to happen in a generation and that generation will not end when they've taken place. He gave us instruction to understand and to know the events of the last days. He, go, he does say in, chapter, in verse 36, concerning that day and hour, no one knows. So I'm not here to say that, that we're going to know the exact day, the exact hour when Christ is going to step out of the heavens. Not by any means am I saying that. What I am saying is that this is a topic that Jesus himself tells us that we need to have some understanding on this. Even Paul says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In chapter 4, uh, we read about uh, the coming of the Lord. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that anything be written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as the labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. I was taught little passages like that. It says, see, no one knows the day or the hour. It's going to come like a thief in the night. You, you, you never know, so just always be prepared. Now, I do think we should always be prepared, but Paul doesn't end with, with saying that he's going to come like a thief. In verse 4, he says, but you, speaking to the believers, you are not in darkness. He says, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So speaking to the church, speaking to people who are submitted to the lordship of Jesus and have his word and understand his word, he says, for you, it's not going to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. And so he goes on, and, and the point that Paul's getting across here is, you stay awake. You be ready, and you understand this. And so there is a huge value in understanding what the Bible says about Jesus Christ and his return. What the Bible says about the generation of his return, what it's going to be like, the events, uh, so on and so forth. So there is a huge importance of this topic. And that's why we're taking time uh, to go through it. We're not going to rush through it. We're going to see exactly what the Bible says. I would also say that Revelation is the only book in the Bible that starts off by saying you're blessed for reading this book, the words of this prophecy. He says, and you're blessed if you hear the words of this prophecy. And you're blessed for keeping the words that are in this prophecy. What he's saying there is you're going, there's a special blessing to the believer who reads this word, who hears this word, or you could say understands this word, and the one who keeps it or agrees with it. There's a great blessing in understanding the book of Revelation. I think one of the main reasons many of us believers don't bother to get into the book of Revelation or study eschatology is because there's this false perspective that it's too hard to understand or that there's a misconception that the common believer, there's no way that they can comprehend what the Bible says about that. And that's simply not the case. You do not have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to be a scholastic intellectual. 
you do have to have a humble heart as you read the Word of God and say, God, whatever you say, I believe it. Reveal it to me. Some, you know, some think, well, no one can understand end-time prophecy. It's too complicated, so why try? Uh, some people say that studying the end times will cause us to minimize our present work in the kingdom of God. And both of those are, are false. Having a biblical understanding of the last days and, and Christ's return should fuel our work in furthering the kingdom of God in these last days. Although we will not fully understand every single event and how it's going to play out, he does give us, God gives us enough details and enough information that we shouldn't be ignorant whenever we get there. It's a deep conviction of mine that God wants his people to understand what he says about the last generation of human history. In fact, Daniel chapter 11, Daniel is a very prophetic book uh, in the Old Testament. One of the one of the, the prophets in the Old Testament that gives us the most information about the last days is actually uh, the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter 11, uh, verse around verse 33, says that God is going to raise up a people who understand and that they're going to actually instruct many in the last days. God is giving revelation to his church so that the church can instruct many in the plans of God. There's a group of people in the book of Acts that I have a high respect for. They're called the Bereans. Maybe you've heard of them. Acts chapter 17. Whenever the gospel was presented to the Bereans, it says that they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's Acts 17, 11. I, I, I believe that we need to do that in regards to the last days and the return of Christ. Uh, instead of trying to come up with all these different concepts and these good ideas, and instead of trying to come up with these theories, let's just search the scriptures diligently and let's see what God says and to make sure that these things are so. So as we get into this, uh, I'm going to be speaking what I believe is truth. That being said, it's your responsibility as the listener of the word to get into the scriptures and see for yourself, find out if these things are so. Because again, like many other topics, the church isn't globally in agreement. Someday the church will be. God is going to come. He's going to fix our theology, all of our differences, our theological opinions. He is going to, he's going to fix them. <laughs> it's going to be an exciting day whenever we quit arguing about all of the things that we disagree on because Jesus is going to set it all right. But we still, you still have the responsibility uh, to go in and, and study it out. I'm going to show you three different viewpoints. There are three different views in the Christian church that is accepted amongst the church. And I believe two of them are in error and one of them's right. But I still have a great honor and love for believers who disagree with me. One of my dearest and closest friends has an opinion and a view of eschatology that is polar opposites of what I believe. He and I can still minister together. We pray together. We, You know what? Not, not just the spiritual things. We just enjoy talking to one another. We have a great friendship. And so th this isn't a divisive topic. This isn't something that we need to divide on, but it is something that we need to to know what we believe and why we believe it. And even if you do not agree with me, even if you don't agree what our church teaches, 
that's okay as long as you have come to that understanding under the fear of God, under the love of the word and the love of Jesus, and you understand why you believe what you believe. It's my deep request that no Christian says, oh, it's all just going to work itself out in the end anyway, so I don't want to form an opinion on this. I believe that is a very lazy way of studying the Bible. <laughs> we shouldn't do that with any topic of the Bible. Oh, well, I don't really care how it turns out. We're just going to see. When it comes to speaking in tongues, when it comes to healings or miracles or, or salvation or baptism or communion, or I, I just can't think of a topic that I want to say, oh, well, I really don't care what the Bible says about it or trying to figure out what the Bible says about it. That's just a lazy way of studying the Word. The reality is what we believe about it isn't going to change the truth of it. In terms of Christ returning and what the world's going to look like in that day, my opinion isn't going to change God's reality. There's a certain teaching out there called panmillennialists saying, oh, it's just going to pan out in the end. That may be true, but will it pan out for you? <laughs> is it, is it going to work out for you because you were ignorant of the events and the things that was taking place in our responsibility? Let's not be the people who say, oh, there's no point. But what I'm not saying is that you have to agree with my views. Our heart at the gathering is to go through the scriptures, see what the Word of God says, and submit to the Word. Because there are godly people in every eschatology view you can think of. Intellectual people, intelligent people, love the Lord. And I honor their relationship with the Lord. I honor their love for the Word. I honor their intelligence. I honor their humility. I honor them. But I still have a responsibility to read the Scriptures and to teach the Scriptures according to what I believe with a deep conviction in my heart is the truth of Scripture. And at the end of the day, we can all love Jesus together and serve Him in furthering His kingdom. Hopefully, we can all agree that the message of Christ's return is highly valuable. So what does the Bible say? That's what we're going to be getting into this season in our podcast. On the glorious return of Jesus Christ, what does Jesus himself and his apostles have to say? We don't have to come up with creative ideas on this topic whenever Jesus lays down the framework and gives us the details and gives us the information that we need to know. This is something that he and his apostles deemed important it's something that we should as well today. So let's not be lazy or passive in studying what the scriptures reveal of the last days and Christ's return. There are three major eschatology views. I'm not going to get into them in this episode. Next week's episode, we're going to break down the three different views. I'll go ahead and give those to you. If you want to look them up on your own time, feel free to do some research on your own. The three views are known as amillennialism, postmillennialism, and premillennialism. What makes these three different views unique from one another is where they place Jesus Christ's return with the millennial reign, what the Bible says the millennial reign. Very quickly, and then we'll get into them deeper next week, premillennialism would say that Christ's return is premillennial reign. Before Christ's millennial reign, 
Jesus will return to the earth and he will establish the millennial reign. A post-millennialist will say he is going to return after the millennial reign. After the world is Christianized, then Christ will return. Then amillennialism would teach that there is no literal earthly millennial reign of Christ, but it is figurative and it's speaking of a spiritual millennial reign. All of that may be super foreign language to you right now. That's okay. Next week, we're going to break into it. I hope that you join me in next week's episode as we break down the three major views in the Christian church in regards to eschatology. Then I'll go on to explain the view in which the gathering, what we and the leadership of the gathering holds to, what we believe and why we believe that it is the more scriptural view. And from there, we'll walk through the New Testament and we'll see what Jesus had to say of his return and of the generation that's going to be around before his return. And then we'll also dive into what is going to happen after Christ returns and in in the book of Revelation. It's going to be an exciting study. Join us over these next few weeks. I believe that God has some great revelation that he wants to give you. Again, feel free to contact me. My email is pastorjgunner at gmail.com. I would love for you to reach out so we can connect. Have a great day and God bless.